Hey, Every Nation KL. I am delighted to be with you. Roger Pierce from Johannesburg, South Africa. I want to just honor your leaders to start with. Pastor Timothy is one of my heroes. I get to serve on some boards with him. And I come away having spent time with him, either over an ice cream or a cup of coffee or in the board meeting, just inspired. There's such a creativity in him, challenged and, and blessed. And um, I pray that you value him and all your leaders because God has blessed you with incredible leaders in Every Nation KL. So greetings from South Africa. Quick picture of my family, quick introduction to my family. My beautiful wife, Nicola, been married this year 30 years. When I married her, I married up. Incredible woman who has helped me so much, who's stood by my side through seasons of me being in business and then in my 40s coming into ministry. And she's amazing. She leads women to the Lord and does a whole lot of stuff, deliverance, healing online with, with women. And uh, I'm so thankful for her. Secondly, my son and daughter, son and daughter in love, who've just gotten married in the center, Sean and Laura. Just so delighted. And Sean is also married up. Laura is an incredible young lady. And uh, Sean is in campus ministry at Every Nation Stellenbosch, advancing the kingdom, winning young people to the Lord. And Laura is a school teacher and just so love and appreciate them. And then the other couple is my oldest son, James, and his wife, Amy. And they also love Jesus and are serving in a church plant uh, in City Bowl in Cape Town. They're full time in business. Um, he's an actuary, which is Quant's finance, and uh, she's a doctor. So just so delighted that my children love and serve the Lord. And for those of you who have got children in their teens, I just want to encourage you, just keep loving them, keep giving them the word, giving them grace, and giving them truth. And in due season, you will reap a great harvest. I want to tell you a story about the worst meal I ever had and then the best meal I ever had. And then we'll go to the word. Best meal I ever had. I was doing this adventure race. It's a off-road, cycling, running, mountain biking, long 12, 15, 20 hours. In this case, the race was 36 hours. And uh, we raced all through the day, Saturday. That night, we came to this massive mountain range. And we decided, foolishly, to cut back on food that we'd take for that section, that leg. Uh, we thought it'd be easier to go light. So raced through the night and it was tough and we just burned calories, ate all of our food. And for about the last four or five hours, we were just absolutely famished. So about nine o'clock in the morning, we, the next morning, we came to this camp, which was the next checkpoint. And uh, people were packing up. They'd been staying there, a bunch of young people. And they're like, hey, cool, what are you doing? And we told them we're doing adventure racing. And they said, hey, we've got some food here. Would you like it? And they gave us this box of chocolate biscuits. I've never tasted something as wonderful as this. <laughs> the chocolate, the, the sugars, the fats, the, the carbs. It just met us exactly where we were. Eating those chocolate biscuits was a game changer for us. We carried on. We were strengthened and on we went on the rest of our race. I'll never forget those chocolate biscuits. On the negative side... <laughs> The worst meal I ever had was in the Philippines. And I love the Philippines. And the food is amazing. This was no fault of theirs. We um, were there for the World Conference. And uh, as, as you know how it goes, you book into the hotel, you get the breakfast option, lunch, you go light, maybe eat some nuts or something that you brought with. In the evening, maybe you meet somebody for, for a meal. But um, 
we'd run out of breakfast because the first morning we'd arrived. So the last morning, I ate this um, fruit. Somebody had given us a, a fruit uh, bowl, and there was some dodgy-looking fruit in the fruit bowl. We'd eaten all the good fruit, but there was some dodgy-looking fruit, and uh, ate this fruit. And man, I don't know what happened to me, but I got such bad food poisoning. Was invited for lunch with Pastor Steve and some of the guys for the last day. I could eat nothing, just drank a Coke. Got on the plane that night via Hong Kong. Disaster, absolutely disaster. Getting sick on the plane. I got Nicola next to me and my friend Simon. And uh, I promise you, for, for weeks, probably about three weeks, I suffered from food poisoning. Food and what you eat affects your whole body. I'm sure you've had some great meals. I hope you haven't had bad meals. But in this text that we're going to look at, there's an invitation to eat, an invitation to partake, to consume, to feed, to eat on something that changes the course of your life. So let's go to scripture. John 6, and the context is that Jesus has done his miracles of feeding the 5,000, and uh, they come after him, the crowds come after him, and he begins to talk to them about um, what really sustains and what really feeds and it's the true, the bread of heaven, the bread of life, which is himself. And he says this, John 6, verse 57. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died, talking about manna. Whoever feeds on this bread, Will live forever. And Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he talked at Capernaum. So let's pray. Father, you sent Jesus as the bread of life. And he offered himself completely to us. And he continues to offer himself to us. I pray that we would hear and perceive and understand, Lord Jesus, what you're offering us. And more than understand that we would choose to feed on you, to eat of this bread of life, to find ourselves so intertwined with you that we are sustained by you. Lord, where people are thirsty, where people are hungry, where people are anorexic because they're not eating, I pray today things would change. And from today, they would receive you, the bread of life. Not just today, but every day. In Jesus' name, amen. So the obvious question in response to what Jesus said is, how can we feed on Jesus and how are we meant to do this? And um, to understand to understand the story in context, when Jesus said, whoever feeds on me, Jesus is answering the crowd's question. They asked for a specific sign. They said, our forefathers ate men in the wilderness and what are you going to give us? But he responds and says, whoever feeds on me and and they asked two questions. First one is, please give us a sign. The second one, they said to Jesus, what would you have us do? So two questions are asked of Jesus. They're asking for a sign and they're asking, what would you have us do? And if I, if I consider my context, there are things that I'm asking Jesus for. I'm asking him for breakthrough. I'm asking him for help with my with my wife's health, Nicola, she's she's been struggling for the last five years with back 
operations and pain and she's been struggling with long COVID and uh, I'm trusting for a breakthrough. That's the question that, that I'm asking of Jesus. Lord Jesus, won't you answer our prayers? Won't you give us breakthrough? And my question to you is, what are you asking, Jesus? What do you want from Jesus? And, and how does Jesus respond to, to these believers? Some of them believe this. Some of them just cry. First, he, he calls out this, their false hope. He calls out the fact that they're looking for manna, but what they need and what they want is so much more. And uh, he responds to their, their call about what must we do? And he says, believe. And, and Jesus today offers you and I an active participation in, in believing and receiving him. And, and he equates this with feeding on him. Now, I want you to imagine you going back 3,000 years, Safa, in a time capsule, and you're invited to a meal, a Middle Eastern meal. And just imagine that you can talk the language. And uh, so it's a patriarch. He's one of the fathers of the faith, and, and he invites you to a meal, and, and you arrive there at the tent. And, um, and the first point about an invitation that Jesus has given, and, and I want us to understand this, when we, when we think about Jesus inviting us to eat of him, the first thing, if you at this Middle Eastern meal, you've gone back 3,000 years, the first thing is you've got to say yes. There's food available. There's an invitation. But what requ what's required is for you and I to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to this invitation to feed of him. And then secondly, you arrive and um, as you come into the tent, you can just smell just these amazing fragrances, the feta, the olives, the hummus, the wine, the vegetables, the fruit, the spices, the lamb, if you're not a vegan. And it just it raises your expectation. And... Uh, I like to analogize that, that sense of smell to faith because faith is the assurance of things hopeful. It's a conviction of things not seen. And, and just as you, as you smell that meal that you're going to participate in, faith is like that, that we anticipate what is coming and it's going to be good. It's going to be amazing. And, and I pray that as you come to Jesus, you would come having smelt what's coming, but you would come with faith expecting to be blessed, expecting to be full, expecting to be received, to receive from God. And then thirdly, as you arrive, you, you are seated down. And uh, in those days, you, you'd lay on, lay on your side on some cushions and uh, you settle down. And, and in truth, that's a place of vulnerability. To lie on your side, you can't jump up quickly, you can't pull out your sword. And to come for a meal with Jesus, You've got to say yes to him. And you've got to come and lie down in this place of humility. Um, God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And a stance of humility is one where you say, I've got more to learn. And there are good things that I don't have. As opposed to a, a perspective, a, a closed system perspective of, I've got everything. I've got everything that I need. No, you don't. Come with humility to this meal that Jesus invites you to, to eat of him, to feed of him. And then fourthly, we are seated together. We are seated with a bunch of other people. And you, you greet the other guests and they introduce themselves to you and you introduce themselves. And, and together you participate. 
you eat together. And we are meant to have our big meals together. Sure, we eat maybe our small meals by ourselves, but our big meals, these feasts, we're meant to eat together. And I've seen too many people over the years just go off the reservation, just go off into some strange place because they eat big meals by themselves. And what I mean by that, they cook up theology and perspectives on God and the church without community. And we are not meant to do life alone. We're not meant to do theology alone. So as we participate of Jesus, we're meant to do this together. We're meant to do this in church. We're meant to do this in our small groups, in our connect groups, in our discipleship groups. And I pray that you, you would do that, that you would sit and recognize that great meals are done together. They're done as we sit together and we feast together, not by ourselves. And so the, the food is served um, plate by plate. It's brought before you and it's things that you've, you've never seen, you've never tasted. And, and I'm reminded of a Bedouin village that I went to years ago. We went to Israel and then, and then we went um, down, down into the Sinai. And we stayed at this Bedouin village and they brought food to us, things that I'd never tasted and never seen. But good manners requires that you eat what is set before you. And my question to you today is, will you eat all the food that comes from Jesus? He's the lion and he's the lamb. He's the ancient of days and he's the bridegroom. And just as when you would eat in those Middle Eastern times, it's not a buffet that you choose what you want, but the plates are set before you and you eat what is given to you. And, you know, all of God's commands are good. They're there to protect you and to provide for you, to give you a hope and a future. And as we are called to, to feed on Jesus, we are called to receive him for the completeness of, of what he is. He's our savior and his Lord. And he speaks into our soul, into our souls exactly where we need it and may we not be people who just choose the one aspect that we like you know jesus the one who prospers me but may we receive jesus who calls us to to surrender all to take up our cross and follow him may we eat everything of the buffet sorry not the buffet of the plates that are laid before us and then sixthly our host is attentive to us and his desire for us is that we eat enough, that we are satisfied. And quick confession, there's definitely been times in my life where I've been like an anorexic eater, haven't been eating enough, just snatching a quick scripture here and there and not feasting on Jesus, not feeding on him, not receiving what I need. And then I realize I'm weak, I'm malnourished. I'm like I was when I'd gone through the nights in that adventure race absolutely finished and can't go on any longer without feeding on it on him don't be one of these christians who begins well but then slides into a place of not eating and not feeding and not being sustained on the word of god the lord jesus himself and then seventh the digestion begins to take place and this is about the food coming into our systems and our bodies processing it in such a way that we get all the good stuff. And that's about thinking about our lives in relation to the word, in relation to Jesus. It's about praying. It's about reflecting. It's about trusting. And it's about putting into practice. I'll never forget, went to our Every Nation Church in Nigeria, Pastor Sam I. Dogbon. And uh, 
what they do after a sermon. And it's absolutely amazing. Um, after a sermon's been preached, they have time to pray the word. They pray the word into themselves. It's just a way of digesting the word. And I know I've been at conferences before where you hear sermon after sermon and, and you actually feel like there's indigestion because you need to go beyond just the hearing to the doing, to the transformation in the inner man. In James chapter one, James talks about it. He uses the word deception three times. And uh, in essence, he says this, that deception comes if you hear the word and you don't do it. And may we be people who hear the word and put it into practice. Because as we do, we will be blessed. We will prosper. We will grow. As we receive Jesus as the bread of life, as we follow in his footsteps, as we consider our ways, as we are humble, as we allow his transformation to come into our hearts, of our practices and of our hearts, we will prosper. We will increase. And this is what digestion is. Now, counterpoint to this. If you've got really bad stuff in you, if you've got poison in your system, if there's lead in your system or some bad poison, then it'll be very hard for you to digest food. In fact, you might be sick for a long time. And if that's your particular case, that's why Jesus came, to take the poison out and to give you himself the true living word. Friends, what we believe transforms us. What we receive changes us. And what we need to do is to take his word and receive it deep into our hearts to absorb it. And so we become like Jesus. We absorb his character, his ways, his spirit dwells within us. And all of Jesus, all the aspects of his character become ours. And uh, we lay our hope on him and nothing else. I love what it says in Isaiah 55. Come. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come by and eat. Come by wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear to me and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. Jesus is inviting us to a feast. Won't you say yes to him? Jesus is inviting to a feast. Won't you come with faith, anticipating and smelling that he is good? Jesus is inviting you to a feast. Won't you be willing to, to lie down and uh, come with a stance of humility? Jesus is inviting you to a feast and, and we do this together. We do this in community. Jesus is inviting you to a feast. And the food is served plate by plate. And we don't get to choose, but we get to say, Lord, whatever you say, whatever you have is good. And I'll receive it. Jesus is inviting you to a feast. Make sure that you eat enough of it, that you're not an anorexic Christian. And Jesus is inviting you to a feast. If there's poison in you, ask Jesus. And he will come in and he will grace you and he will heal you and he'll strengthen you. I want to pray for you. Father. I pray for my brothers and sisters in KL, Lord, that they would eat of you. Lord, where they are weak, where they are malnourished, Lord, they would eat of you. Lord, where they've begun well, but they need to go deeper, 
Lord, and, and receive the fullness of you, the fullness of the meal. I pray that they would do this. Lord, they would receive all that you have for them. Um, the challenging parts and not just the blessing parts. Lord, I pray for them right now, that they would receive of you, receive of you, Jesus, the bread of life, all of your ways and all of your, all of your practices. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you face to face. God bless you.